Hello, hello, hello again, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the third episode of Not Wasting a Single Story, where we aim to create these comfortable platforms to converse about stories, opportunities, and most importantly, lessons and activities that are happening within the waste management space. I'm your hostess, Gamushirai Motezo, and I'll be the one who'll be poking guests on this lovely couch, hashtag the green couch. Today I'm joined by a young man I've been following for a while. I see his post on LinkedIn. I bump into him at events. I stand afar and I just look. I see the work they do and I felt it was very necessary to have him on the green couch and learn more about what he does. From past experience as well as current conversations, Waste collection and transportation is one of those pain points that a lot of decision makers and practitioners continue to put on the table. Here is a young man who's been operating in the space in a manner that is so customized to our urban spaces. And I wanted to know him more. I wanted to learn more about the activities he does. Sviso, hello. Hello. (laughs) Thanks for having me in this space. Awesome. I'm really delighted that you could make it. First time for me um, in a podcast. Okay, well, this is... I made it. Uh, hey, mama. Hey, Suisa's mama. Hey, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm really, really keen to know about your company. But before we do that, who are you? Where did you grow up? What did you do? Why are you living? Ah, great question. Well, Sviso Kumbi is um, a young man that grew up in Soweto. Pretty much did everything um, in Soweto. Matriculated in 2011, and the first thing that I ever did or I ever got into was waste picking. Got curious on um, recycling in itself because there's just so much waste, you know, out there. And I used to see these guys, you know, picking waste and pulling the trolleys, and I always used to wonder, you know, what gives them, you know, such an enthusiasm enthusiasm to just go and, and collect waste? Uh, what value is there to it? And I started investigating, and I found out that you could actually get money, you know, from things that have actually been thrown away. Mm-hmm. You know, I started in high school, I would go and collect cans. You know, sometimes I would collect used metals, you know, um, in the backyard and go and get a bit of cash from it. You know? So that sort of caught on and the passion grew. As soon as I matriculated, uh, that was the first business I ever the first business I ever got into. Mm. Uh, really, um, I remember back in 2013, um, I wanted to share that knowledge I had acquired around waste with the community, you know, and my angle around it was that, okay, Let's try and um, spread awareness by eliminating dump sites Mm. within in the area because there's quite a lot of them in Soweto. And um, we did um, a cleanup initiative um, that we had in partnership with the Johannesburg Roads Agency. Mm. They sponsored us sponsored us with with some trucks and uh, TLPs. Um, It was also supported by the local councillor at the time. You know. And um, I got recognized by a few of the community leaders. Um, one in particular was um, the late Richard Butelezi, 
who was one of the leading uh, guys within the Pybex Center space, and he recruited me. Uh, I think I was 19 at the time. Mm. So, you know, what really, you know, just posted, you know, you know, my ambition in this is that he didn't see me as a guy that will work for him. He actually took me in and made me his partner. And we established three public centers in Durban. And uh, just later, before he passed, we opened one in uh, Johannesburg Central in Jubit Park, um, which is where I met John Kalman, who's my current partner with Urban Surfer. So that's been the story with me. I started out as a waste pick um, crew to owning buyback centers. Um, now it's with Urban Surfer. So waste has pretty much been my story ever since I became an adult. What made you curious? Look, you see a two-liter bottle, you buy a Coke, you get that two-liter bottle, and then you just chuck it in the bin. You buy a milk carton, you use it, you just chuck it in the bin. You buy a can of soda, you use it, you just chuck it in the bin. No one ever really pays any mind to what happens to their waste, mm. you know, or even thinks that there's any value to waste. So what fascinated me about it was that, you know, what you deem as treasure is actually a resource, mm. you know, and I've just always been fascinated by this because it's such a sustainable business because for as long as there are people, there will always be consumption. And for as long as there's consumption, there will always be waste, mm. you know. So that's what's kept me going. And also, you know, just the many challenges that, you know, the waste pickers face and that I have faced, you yeah. know, personally. I was having a conversation uh, with the guys just outside, you know, and I was just, you know, um, relaying a story um, when I was still a waste picker, mm. you know, the challenges that we used to, and when I was a biobank center owner, the challenges that I used to come across, you know, from a waste picker perspective, you will get up at four o'clock, you know, going about your daily collection routes, and then when it's time for you to go to the biobank center to scale, mm. you get there, there's no money. Mm. And you've already traveled over 50 kilometers, you know, and there's no money at the buyback center. You're forced to maybe leave your stuff behind and come back and collect the money the next day. You have to wait maybe until a certain time later on in the evening to get your money, yeah. you know. So it's a very labor-intensive occupation and with such limited support, you know, and there's so much that has been developed, you know, to assist uh, these guys, but they're still not really benefiting from it. So it has become a mission for me to try and, you know, make that connection, mm. you know. I mean, most particularly with um, EPR legislation that's been passed, you know, all these EPR people um, were engaging with the Pearl Alliance, um, I think a couple of weeks back. There is a huge interest from them I think a responsibility even to give this, pay these guys directly per kilo. Yeah. Uh, but there isn't any way they can facilitate that because you would know waste pickers work as individuals. Yeah. So the space is largely informal. So there isn't any platform or system they can initiate to make sure that they get paid. Because, I mean, if you're going to pay them 15 cents, how are you going to pay them? Are you going to approach them and say, okay, how, how much have you scaled? Let me give mm. you. So we came up with an idea 
to create an application that registers um, these ways because because I mean from the project we did with people you know we collected quite a lot of data yeah so from there we got an idea of how we can run a platform you know that is solely solely supports you know informal reclaimers to benefit from everything and anything that may be introduced you know for them yeah so we came up with this app so okay let's try and register them into the into the portal and then from there we can plug that portal to the buyback centers that they go to and from that system we can enable the buyback centers to transact with them on that system and then get the pros to to facilitate the payments on that system yeah yeah it's probably one of the key features that i liked about your work aside from appreciating and really speaking the gospel of the importance of informal waste collectors, right? They are completely critical in this process. Then there's the data component, the technology aspect. Within our space, hey, Fada, where can I find data? Okay, finding any up-to-date data of different waste streams, where they're going, the flows, we have to literally throw some bones and consult your ancestors. So I like that feature and I thought, hmm, this has got me curious. And before we get into the deeper components of Urban Surfer, I want to also know a little more about you as a person. What do you do for fun? Hmm. For fun. Yes, for sufani. Look, I just like being with family. Mm. Um I think that's my version of fun. If I'm with people that I like, uh, very close to my heart, uh, that's my version of fun. I enjoy a good book. If you touch my library. Yeah, every <laughs> once in a while. I think I'll keep borrowing okay. from you. I enjoy a good book. Read the books on this couch, Baba. I enjoy <laughs> good music. Mm-hmm. I enjoy a good laughter. Yeah. Yeah, that's my version of fun. And also, since we've been so busy with Urban Surfer, Look, I just enjoy being home and resting and sleeping, eh? <laughs> you know, when our parents were telling us as younglings, go to bed early. Did we listen? No. Oh, no. Look at us as adults. Six o'clock, you can't wait to be in bed. Yeah. This, hey, I wish I wish I could sleep at that time. There's, there's hardly any time to sleep. I promise you. I yeah. promise you. So whenever I get I get a chance, I sleep it off. Yeah. I sleep it off. Okay, really. so. 80% of the time sleeping and then the other 20 for reading, hanging out with family. Yes. Uh-huh. And I do party. Oh. Like what? Twice a year? No, as often as I can. Once a month. Yeah. Um, it's a year. Just only a year before I turn 30. So I'm just trying to Fit it have as much fun as I can. Yeah. Yeah. So whenever I get a chance, yes. I do. I do have a, a good job okay the reason i'm asking this is as much as we will be unpacking about the company the opportunities and the whole nine yards there's a person behind it mm. right? at times we forget that there's a person there's a person who's got red blood who has fun things they get up to and who also feels pain every now and again yes at least those who end up watching this podcast will be like ah i can approach Sfiso yeah he's a human after all he's human yeah yeah 
So glad to note that you are human and your blood is not green. Yep. Wonderful. <laughs> now, with that being said, I want us to unpack the concept of the mindset, right? So for you, you were curious when you got into waste. For someone else, waste is something that smells. They, they may not see the same value as you did back then, right? Mm. How is the mindset with the informal waste collectors you've worked with? Do they also see it as value or it's means to an end? I think it's both. Okay. It's both, um, but uh, I would say it's more a means to an end mm. for most of them. Um, really, it is. Uh, because, I mean, um, a lot of the guys or even even the ladies, because there are some ladies in the space, quite a lot of them, uh, you'd find quite a lot of them in the East End. You know, I've recently discovered it's the lack you know, of employment opportunities. Yeah. Um, that saw them um, getting into the space, you know, um, for a lot of them. Uh, some, even the migrant uh, waste pickers from Lesotho, they came, they came to the country. There aren't many job opportunities around. They, they decided to get into the space, mm. you know, because there's so much ways to go around. And... For as long as you are able to go out and collect for yourself, then you can have food on the table. Yeah. But for some, um, it's there's limited. Look, I, I'd like to put this out there: waste picking is one occupation with unlimited growth potential. Mm, tell me more. Meaning, you can grow to as much. As you like, um, you can grow to becoming a public center, and from being a public center, you can grow to being um, a plastic pelletizer. That's semi-processing. You can grow from that to plastic formulating, and you can grow to that to injection molding. You understand, and you can even grow further from that. And there's lots to recycle out yeah. there. It's lost to recycle. You can recycle oil. And by recycling oil, you, you can become an oil refiner yourself. And from becoming an oil refiner yourself, perhaps you can make your own lubricants out of used oil. You know, the the potential is just limitless. Yeah. And it's just all up to you. You know, it's, it's all up to you. You don't have to go through, um, like, uh, a process within a company or... It's, it's really all up to you. I know a guy in Alex um, that we gave a trolley to. His name is Kaka. And immediately he got that because of the logo, Hippo, Urban Surfer. Mm. It was now a formal statement to him. He went out and got someone to invest in him and he opened up his own public center. Okay. I'm telling you that guy drives a Mini Cooper right now. Oh. I don't even have a Mini Cooper. What do you drive? Bicycle? <laughs> I drive an Uber. <laughs> well. Yeah, so... For some, it's a means to an end. For some, it's an economic opportunity. Yeah. Really, it's an economic opportunity. And it is a, a great one, you know, because it's up to you if you want to make a thousand rand a day, mm. or you want to make 300 rand a day, or you want to make 200 rand a day. It's all up to your efforts. Yeah. Right? And with any business, it's all up to strategy. Mm. You know, one person would see it and say, okay, you know what? I, I won't pull a trolley. I'll just approach a mall. Yeah. 
and asked, look, can I just take care of all the waste? Already you have volume. Mm. So the only thing you need to do, you don't even need to have transportation. You can just approach Remade. You can just approach Gayatri. You can just approach Planet Care. They bring skips. Whenever they collect, you get your money. Yeah. You know, so there's lots of ways to go about it. There are lots of strategies one can apply within the space. You know, hence I say the opportunities are almost limitless. I'm so happy I have you on this couch because as you're speaking, even I'm getting excited. I'm starting to think, hmm, okay, okay, okay. And that's what we want to put out there in this space, that we've got so much waste that it's up to an individual to really be intentional and see these opportunities that you've indicated. Yes. And most importantly, even the term urban surfer, it really just continues to showcase the, I suppose, versatility of the role that informal waste collectors play. Yeah. Now I'm going to move away from that term, informal waste collectors, and call them urban surfers. Yes. <laughs> right. Now, coming to your model, do I need to have an application and then register a profile? I collect from the Santon area or Boxburg area, and then you track the quantity up until I get to a buyback center. How does that work? Oh, um, so the application is going to work like this. It's going to be web-based. Okay. So you don't need to download it on your phone. Mm. You can go to, so we'll be working quite a lot with buyback centers. Yes. So what you'll do as a waste pickup, because you always take your waste to the buyback center anyway. So what you'll do now, you'll just register a profile yes. for yourself. So the buyback center registers a profile for you. But here's the interesting part. When you register that profile, it doesn't mean you only have to take your waste to that buyback center. Immediately, it gets into the system. It reflects in all the other buyback centers. Mm. So should you decide or should you be closer to a certain area at a, at a specific time, you can use that because it's the same profile anyway. Yeah. So whatever waste that you bring in will be recorded into the system, right? And I think we are still... Um, ironing it out to the, with the PROs. Mm. So they'll decide if they want to pay per kilo or per ton, do they want to pay per week or per month. But once a certain or any waste picker within the system reaches a certain target, mm. they'll then get their extra 15 cents. Okay. Either per kilo or per ton. Yes. Yeah, within the system. Okay. That they can go uh, collect in cash from the buyback center right. or it can be paid directly to their account. All right, you've answered my second question, whether I upload my banking details or not, but at least there's a sense of comfort for me yes. that I'll get paid after two weeks. Every day I can continue bringing my recyclables, but I'll certainly get paid fortnightly yes. or end of the month. Yeah. Okay. And the waste pickers um, have access to the app as well. They can get in and update their details. Yeah. Um, let's say, for instance, if they were operating within, we're going to have um, a geolocating system in there. Mm. Like, just say, okay, I'm operating within this area. Okay. Like, if you want to update those details and say, okay, I've just moved, maybe I'm in Durban right now, mm. it'll reflect that, okay, this person is in Durban right now and is therefore likely to go to these buyback centers. Oh, these are my new banking details. Oh, I don't like using that name anymore, you know? Yeah. Or I'd like to use my change my username. They they have that option as well. And the same applies to the buyback centers. And then the PROs will have a back-end um, usability as well. Yeah. This is so interesting. Right, I've got my I'm profile. I'm waiting for you to see it. I'm going to actually come and visit you 
Lovely. In fact, we can go on a collection spree if possible. I really don't mind getting my hands dirty because you learn from You up for the challenge? Though? I am up for it. Okay. Don't be fooled by my lip gloss today, hey? <laughs> Do not be fooled. We'll see. Challenge accepted. Okay. <laughs> Hold me to that. Yeah, I right. will. So I've created my profile. I can move between different buyback centers. What are the primary waste categories that the buyback centers take? Paper. Mm-hmm. Um which is categorized as um into there are scientific terms for 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 all the recyclable materials. K4 being your corrugated cardboard. Okay. Which is the most common um i think material fine from us because because it's just so there's so much of it yeah and then secondly there's pt pt being your cool drink bottles yeah um it's the second most common recyclable waste uh, material fine and then there's aluminum cans um i think everyone knows knows those and then there's white paper which is called hl1 Okay. And then there's your common plastics um which is uh called low density. Those are your checkers plastics. Yeah, it's low density polyethylene. And then there's your milk plastic containers. Yeah. Which is called HDPE which is high density polyethylene. And then there's your PP which is your polypropylene. I think uh these are components you'd find I'd make an example of crates. Mm. Maybe hard and plastic. The plastic yes that's hard plastic. Ah, yeah. You. That's your polypropylene. What am I leaving behind and then you have your shrink wrap. Yeah. That's uh another collectible as well. Okay. Luckily you broke down some of these things because I was just hearing polymush coming <laughs> like how will I start my yeah. collection process but i suppose these are some of the trainings that you have with the urban surface say okay these are the traditional jargons it basically mm. means that yes okay it's it's, a, it's actually very simple you know to separate your waste um, i would say uh, we're having a conversation just outside of the chance i'm just separate all your dry waste from your wet waste mm. you'd find that most of your dry waste most if not all of your dry waste is recyclable yeah who should be responsible for separation at source everyone everyone but i think the process would work if we have you know a beautiful working relationship with government mm which then trickles down to the households and also perhaps for the businesses as well to chime in. I think everyone everyone mm. should should come together and do this because I think I think there is a general interest from households to try and you know separate waste but there isn't much support you know to yeah. to further nudge that you know into becoming a widely accepted thing. Mm. This is why I'm hoping podcasts of this nature can trickle down to people's dining room tables, yes, school runs, and even date nights. Mm. 
and then we normalize it. Because if we're having the conversations at home, our mindsets are hopefully churning so that when we make decisions at work, mm. we can also be, hey, I've got a separation thing going on yeah. at home. Can we try and implement it? That'll be beautiful. I mean, imagine people like over coffee just, hey, you know how much waste I recycled just last imagine. week? Imagine. That would be so cool. That would be so cool. <laughs> no, no. You know, there's a guy that pulls a trolley that I, I normally yeah. take the way. He didn't come today. But, you know. Let me call him let now. Let me call him now. You know. Brother. Imagine if you could have a system where you can request a waste speaker to come and collect. Mm. I see where you're going. Okay. You understand? Because we could track the yeah. trolleys and you just get on the system and we tell you, okay, which waste speaker is the nearest to you? Yeah. And then you can request him to come and collect from you. You know, we can, those are systems we can easily implement, you know, with the right support. Mm. I'm going to come to the support shortly. Is there a market for organics? From my experience and in the space that I'm in, not that I know of. Uh, I know um, there's quite a, a huge growth in composting. Mm. Um, but None, none of the waste because we support or that we engage or that I've engaged with over the years in the entire 10 years of me being in the space. Mm. Um, I've never seen any interest or open market for organics. Because of the value component, because it will rot and smell after 24 hours or lack of market access? Um, I think it's because, I mean, just put yourself in a, in a waste picker's shoes. I collect organic waste, yes. Where am I taking it to? How much do I get per kilo? Mm. Okay, not com as competitive as the other. Yeah, not even. it's not even a case of it being competitive or whatever you. It's just where the hell do I even take it? Mm. Okay, market access. Who will off take it from? Me? Yeah, who, who, yeah. Why, why should they, why should I collect it? Okay, if I do collect it, who am I taking it to? How much are they paying me for it? Are they gonna pay me per container, per kilo? You know, mm. yeah. So those are the disparities, you know, within within that. Okay, I suppose once that opportunity has resulted into some financial sins, yes, then it will make. Yeah. Sense yeah. To collect. Yes. Because uh -huh. not even the biobank centers are collecting it. Yeah. N none. Okay. I like organics, so I'm gonna think about it and get back to you. <laughs> yeah, I I'm very interested in organics too. Um, very interested, uh, and quite well researched. We've been looking it up. I think we've have, we've had conversations too. Mm. I would really like to plug it into the informal recycling space. Yeah, I would. I would. I think it's a great uh, the informal recycling space. It's a great avenue to plug that into, you know, because there's quite a lot of it that can be collected. So if I get you space, right, mm. and we're able to say one can pay X amount per kilogram, mm. whether it comes in this bag or that container, that waste, wet or dry organics is weighed, mm. then we say you can pay say two dollars for example per mm. kilogram. Would that be something you can look at? Very much worth our time. We could start working next week. <laughs> I like you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All 
All right, leading up to that, where would one ideally locate such a space so that the urban surface have relatively simple access? Look, it depends. Um, from my research in organics is, are you doing composting? Mm-hmm. Or are you doing uh, bioenergy? Yeah. Right, it'll depend. So if you're doing bioenergy, I understand that you're going to need a lot of waste. Yes. But if you're doing composting, maybe not so much, you know. So if you're doing bioenergy, you're going to have to be located in a place with a large concentration of organic waste. Yeah. A large concentration. And I think some of it, you are not even going to get entirely from that area. You'll have to source elsewhere. Yeah. You know, that's where we can come in. But I think wherever you can be located, you can definitely come up with a solution that will make sure that you get your you get your waste. Yeah. But okay. make sure... It's not too far from civilization. <laughs> Noted. We want to make sure that the surfers can easily access. Yes. That. Look, we can come in um, as a platform that plugs you to them. Mm-hmm. Meaning, if transportation becomes a factor for them or for them to even pull their trolleys to you, we can then come in and collect mm-hmm. all their waste and then bring it to you Got in you. bulk. Got you. Okay, as we wrap up our chat, and this, by the way, is not the last one. I would love to have more of these with you, right? How best can we get tomorrow's decision makers excited about waste? How can we get them to share our passion for waste and continue to see these opportunities we see? quite a tough one um but i would say the only thing we can do the best thing for us to do right now is just to keep at it Mm. let's just remain consistent and make as much noise as we can i think um ears are starting to open yeah eyes are starting to see um we're getting quite a lot a lot of positive feedback um, look, we're now being invited to these wonderful podcasts and all. Oh, shout out. Um, <laughs> so, and it's not that we've done anything outside of what we've been doing for the past five years with Urban Surfer or I've been doing for the past 10 years. I've just been consistent. So the only thing we can do is just remain consistent in what we do. And eventually, something will give yeah. because we are making the noise. And eventually, they'll start to listen. That's the best thing we can do, really really feel like saying hallelujah at this point because you have spoken consistency and continuing to have these conversations yes right just remain intentional it's like you stole that from one of my linkedin posts remaining intentional yes yeah. I did, as a matter of fact <laughs> oh. but it, it's a great word to use um it applies quite a lot to what we do yes because we have We've remained intentional. Sviso, I wish you nothing less of the best. Thank you. We've just cracked the ice today with the first podcast. Yes. There's so much more to unpack in terms of the work that you are doing. Mm -hmm. And I will do my part to let people know because you play such a critical role within the waste management value chain. So I celebrate you. I say shout out. Keep the consistency going. 
Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and I think you guys have quite a, a big role to play within the organic space. And we're waiting for you to assume your position. This is the part where we say cut and then we get into business. <laughs> Once again, thank you so much for making the time. Make it two hours next time. Right? Right? Yeah, we'll make it two hours and have some eats while we're at it to feed our digestors. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right, ladies and gents, you've just been schooled about the role and importance of informal waste collectors. Check Urban Surfer out and see where you can co-create and plug with them. Until the next episode, don't let any story go wasted. Wasted.